United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Cross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Cross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects... Gaelic is impossible to pronounce. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think so. Also, hey, what's up? My name's Noelle, and I am a relaxing Monday evening eating Taco Bell in your car in the Taco Bell parking lot when it's 75 degrees out. And I'm Chelsea. I'm hooked on phonics. Apparently, but also not that hooked since you can't pronounce anything. Okay, well, this episode could have easily been one page long if I did not have to go through and write out the phonetic pronunciation of every single word in this entire episode. I don't blame you. Because good grief. You know what you could have done? You could have just recorded on your phone the computer saying how to pronounce (laughs) it and then just played it off of your phone every time we needed to say it. So... The funny thing is, is like when I look at the phonetic, and I'm sure you do the same thing, like because the phonetic writing isn't the phonetic way that I speak. Because like you know, like have letters and shit upside down when you look it up in the dictionary online and everything. So I have to play it on YouTube's pronunciation. Yes. And then I have to write it out phonetically in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's exactly how you got to do it. Yeah. So it's like the effort is just above and beyond, and it's not like. It's not that I want recognition for it. I just want everyone to know. It does kind of feel like you want recognition for it. But either way, I do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. You're okay. um, it's definitely is definitely hard on me, this one. Uh, but we're going to go back in time. Do you have your seatbelt on? No. Should I? You're going to die! <laughs> so we're going back in time to talk about an ancient race of supernatural beings known as the Tuatha de Danan. <laughs> really great job. Thank you for approval. <laughs> that did sound like anything. The Tuatha de Danan, who are said to have lived in Ireland before the arrival of humans. Is Gaelic even Irish? I think so. Scottish? Don't make me be the judge oh, of this. Oh my god. We should have looked this up. Is Gaelic... It doesn't matter. Irish. We can't be racist towards white people. Gaelic is Irish. There you go. Perfect. Oh, Great god. job. We shouldn't have said anything. I, I didn't say anything. anything. Yeah, it was Great. on you. Anyway, uh, they, were li- they lived in Ireland before the arrival of humans. They were said to have possessed uh, magical powers and were skilled in the arts of war, music, and poetry. Typically, those three things don't go together. So, uh, you know, if if you're doing war, you're probably not doing music and poetry. Yeah, they were just completely well-rounded. Killing, Mm. fighting, loving, and talking about it, and singing about it. Good for them, honestly. Yeah, they were living the life that we have aspired to live for some time now. Um, But I digress. The Tuatha de Danan were believed to be the descendants of the goddess Danu, and were led by their king Nuada. They were highly civilized. <laughs> they were a highly advanced civilization, possessing knowledge of metallurgy, agriculture, and medicine that far surpassed that of their comparable mythological counterparts at the time. Can I say something potentially problematic? Yes. Are you, I didn't, say you don't know what metallurgy is? Um, yes. And also the fact, I believe that's just a, they work with metals, right? They're just good yeah, with metals. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have contact clues. Um, 
But I didn't know that like um, Irish culture had goddesses. Did you? Yeah, know dude. That? Yeah, you've seen goddesses. You know the Morgana. She's Irish. Yeah, you've one hundred percent heard of them. Yeah, for sure. I didn't realize they were Irish. Yeah, that is news to me. Yeah, there's a lot of Irish stuff that. Um, God, I still want to do our folklore episode where and we talk about like old wives' tales and stuff because. We're going to cover a little bit of it in this, but man, there's some like fucking good stuff. And you know, I got that Appalachian witchcraft book. Mm -hmm. Everything we do tied back to that, basically. And I'm only in one chapter. I really do love Appalachian folklore and (gasps) mythology. Truly some of the best. Honestly, the only good thing to come from America. Mm -hmm. And it's old. It's so old. You would think it would just be like new world. Um. It's not though. It like goes all the way back into like uh, the African continent and things like that. Very interesting. And then it mixes with like Judaism and all that stuff. Again, I'm only like one chapter in. Um, this is research for an upcoming episode, but whew, very interesting. That's so fun. Um, and anyone also like the Bible, they use the Bible in some of their rituals. Like actual um, scripture is part of like some of the spells and stuff that you can do. Isn't that weird? I had no that- idea. That is weird, but that is also very Americana, just blending yeah. everything together. Yep. Also, it is now dawning on me that, like, if you go, this is my problem. Again, speaking of Americana, I am very Amerabrained, where I'm like, I literally think white people can't have culture, which is true. Um, but if you were a white person in not America, like, if you were a, a white person in Ireland, there was a time before Christ where you were worshiping deities and gods and goddesses and the elements and earth. Wow. I just figured it out. I just, you know, my brain just automatically defaults to why people don't have culture. They steal culture. But again, that's very Amerabrained of me. And I apologize for once again, being American. It's very like ethnic. It's like being nationality centric instead of like a little bit ethnocentric. Well, no, don't quote me on that. It's just being too nationalist, right? Because it's like, there's nothing wrong with being proud of being Irish or Scottish um, or any other culture that is stereotypically and mathematically more white. The problem is when you encompass all that together, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you obviously don't think this, but it's people who are like, because I am white, like, my culture supersedes, but it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Which culture of whiteness are you talking about? Are you talking yeah. about Irish, Scottish, English, Scandinavian? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Whereas like other people, I feel like um, once you get into more satur- saturated areas, like in Europe, it's like, no, I don't really identify white. I'm Italian or I'm mm-hmm. Spanish or I'm English. Mm-hmm. And that's like very different, right? Because here we don't say we're English. We don't go off of like our region or we don't go, oh, I'm a Utah. Yeah, uh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, it's just like, nope, white. <laughs> yeah. But I know this is like really cool culture. I do know I have a little bit of Irish in me because that's where my mom's mom's family came from. So like, I think it's Farron is what they were, which is an Irish name. So <laughs> I can take this. I Ooh. mean, I also think that the Irish loved Catholicism so much that 
and they really went all out with it. They really said like, we love the vibe. We love the aesthetic. And I feel like that's also made me, my brain like erase the fact that like pre that point, they were very much about um, the earth and gods and goddesses. So that's really fun because like they still religiously, yes, very Catholic, culturally, very this because some of the information I got um, for this episode was from like a like Ireland.gov. It was like a yeah. website on what to do if you hear a banshee cry. Well, I think that's like the fun part of um, like Catholicism in Ireland specifically, just like Catholicism in like uh, Mexico. Like mm-hmm. they add their like there are bits and pieces of the originating religion, if you want to call it, still sprinkled out. Like, you know, it's why, um, like, Mexican Catholics are just, like, they're like a little, they're like a little Santeria-ish. Yeah. You know, they do a I, little witchy shit. If you want to know if Santeria is prevalent in your area, look at where they put the religious candles. Do they put them with candles or do they put them with Hispanic foods? And that's how you know Santeria is prevalent in your area. Yeah. And it's, like, same with, apparently, like, Irish Catholics. Like, they love the vibe of Catholicism so much, but they also still have, like, you know, fairy lore and shit yeah. like that. So, and I um, would love I to just it. go and be fully embraced in that. You, how magical would that fucking be, you know? To just to go back in into the old world. Well, oh. I, still, I believe in everything. Um because I don't, it's just like what with what we've talked about with Bigfoot. There's like paranormal slash linear existences that we've discovered. And we just don't know what is existing in a different frequency on the same plane as us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but regardless, back to the Tuatha de Danan, uh, it was said that they lived in an underground kingdom called the Otherworld, which was connected to our world through mythical portals. The Tuatha de Danann played a pivotal role in Irish mythology, with their stories often intertwined with those of the human heroes of old. One of their most famous battles was the Battle of Mag Chirid, where they fought against the Fomorians, another group of supernatural beings, and their sworn enemies. The Tuatha de Danann emerged victorious, but not without cost, as many of their warriors were killed or injured in the conflict. And despite their immense power and knowledge, the Tuatha de Danann were not immortal. And their time in Ireland came to an end when the Sons of Mill, a group of human invaders, defeated them in battle. However, it was believed that the Tuatha Dé Danann did not perish at this time, but rather retreated back into the other world, where they continued to live on as powerful and immortal beings. Now, their legacy does live on to this day in Irish folklore and culture. Their stories and legends continue to captivate people around the world, and their influence can be seen in everything from modern-day art to literature, to music. And in fact, many Irish traditions and customs are said to have origi- originated from the Tuatha Dé Danann. For example, the Irish language is believed to have been created by the goddess Brigid, one of the members of this elite supernatural race. And in modern Nice, time, nice editing of not saying the name again. I'm so fucking sick of saying it. I didn't know <laughs> how many times I wrote it out in here because I just, when I get words that have fancy like little... Uh, Dots and squiggles like above words. Umlauts? I just copy paste. I don't know what they're called paste. in other languages. Yeah, an umlaut. Whenever I get yeah. like an umlaut, I just copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, and I get used to that instead of writing out them there or like substitutions for the proper noun. I yeah, I get it. it. You're trying to show off your work. I see. 
So in modern times, they have become an important part of Ireland's cultural heritage, with their legacy being celebrated in festivals, art, and literature. They're a reminder of the rich history and mythology of Ireland and the enduring power of human imagination to create stories and legends that continue to captivate and inspire. And if you think you've never heard of them before, you would be wrong. Because you see, the Tuatha Dé Danann weren't just a singular group of su supernatural beings, but rather an entire race of creatures that you would likely refer to as fairies, leprechauns, and banshees. Interesting that banshees is um, included in the fairies leprechaun pipeline. 100%. Because the banshees were said to have been a group of women known as the Banshea, Banshea, which is like B-E-A-N-S-I-D-H-E. And they were women within the ranks of the Tuatha Dé Danann. Obviously, the Banshea becomes Banshee. And these women were believed to have the power to predict death and would wail and keen to announce the imminent passing of a loved one. Roughly translating to woman of the fairy mound, they are generally depicted as ghostly women with long hair and a pale complexion wearing flowing white gowns. That is interesting lore um, that they're saying banshees were like predicting death. Yeah. I feel like that's not really the um, modern day translation of a banshee. I feel like modern day banshees are just essentially like almost demonic, haunted, ghostly women. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that they had like a purpose. That's interesting. Yeah. And they really started to come to prevalence in the 8th century. And there were some changes to their origins, which was perpetuated by the local church at this time, obviously. Obviously. Um, and according to historicmysteries.com, Irish tradition during the 8th century stated that if you came across a woman lamenting the passing of a warrior or soldier with a mournful song, you should give them alcohol as a sign of respect for their pain. Uh, it's such an Irish solution. Isn't that great, though? I love it. Um, but the Irish church considered this to be a form of bartering and was sinful within the eyes of God. So Bartering this, is sinful? Yeah. I what do you mean? So. Like trading without money? I don't know. What? Where is it? Is that a commandment? Or giving alcohol, using alcohol as a form of payment. That, but the, why No, bartering is not against the commandment. <laughs> Why did um, Jesus turn water to wine then if he didn't like alcohol? I bet what it was was the church probably taxed people financially, and because they couldn't tax anything that was bartered, it made their money obsolete. It's the same reason why in the United States there's not a bartering system set up, because we cannot tax it. Uh, because that would be Jesus, my, Jesus likes capitalism. No, Jesus fucking flipped the tables at the church, man. Read a book! Mm -mm. Anyway, <laughs> so referring uh, <laughs> to the church at the time, giving this alcohol to these women um, was absolutely terrible. It was a high sin, and it was so sinful that they were punished by um, forever becoming banshees. So that's one origin. Um, other experts believe that the banshee may have originated from the ancient Irish, Irish practice of keening, which was a form of lamentation that was used to mourn the dead. Keening was done by women, and it involved a high-pitched wailing that was meant to express the intense grief and sorrow felt by those who had lost a loved one. And the tradition of keening dates back to ancient times in Ireland, with evidence of its existence dating back again to the 8th century. 
It was an important aspect of Irish funeral customs and was often performed by women who were considered professional keeners. These women were highly respected members of the community and were paid to perform their services at funerals. Keening was a vocal expression of grief, with the keener typically improvising a lament for the deceased. The practice was often accompanied by physical expressions of mourning, such as rocking back and forth and hitting oneself. Oh my god. And although the origins of keening are not entirely clear, it is thought to have been influenced by pagan Celtic beliefs. The Celts believed that the soul lingered around the body after death, and that keening was a way of helping the soul to pass on to the afterlife. It was also believed that keening, the keening of women could bring comfort to the dying and ease their passage into the next world. And as Christianity spread throughout Ireland, the practice of keening, Boo. Uh, religion is the enemy of culture. Uh, as Christianity spread throughout Ireland, the practice of keening was adapted to fit within the Christian framework. The Christian church initially opposed the practice, viewing it as a pagan ritual. However, over time, the church came to accept keening as a legitimate form of mourning. The women who performed the keening were often members of the local church, and the keening itself would incorporate elements of Christian prayers and hymns. Obviously, that's why they didn't want to give them alcohol. Speaking of pagan rituals in the church, as we just had Easter, which is the most perfect pagan ritual of Christianity, I I feel like we always come back to this theme— Whenever we cover cultures that have some sort of mourning ritual, and we always come back to this theme of obviously the church coming in and bastardizing it or bleaching it. And while the idea of a woman screaming and hitting herself is kind of insane, I I can't help to think, but like, maybe that's like what everyone needed. Like, you're at a funeral and everyone's like trying to act cool, calm and collected. And then you have this woman just screaming, wailing, letting loose completely, just absolutely shields down being hysterical. I wonder if that would allow you to join in and feel comfortable or um, maybe give some sort of like relief because it's like breaking the tension I, I think that like a lot of people with death specifically have a hard time um, accepting it and dealing with it. And obviously we've talked about death practices before, how people like fear it mm-hmm. um, and they feel um, like the death industry, especially in modern America has made people afraid of death, like as in they don't even want to touch their loved ones after they've passed. And I think that also comes with, modern day morning people don't actually do it they just go to work after taking a three-day weekend and try to pretend like you know a family member didn't just die and um it and then it'll pop out six months later when you're at a baseball game and someone hands you a hot dog and then you start crying uncontrollably i almost wonder if like things like this like things like keening would force you to make yourself mourn, make yourself cry and scream and lose it. Um, And I wonder if after these keening rituals, people felt just like a little bit more at ease, like at least for themselves, feeling like some tension was released um, and emotion expressed and expressing emotion in in like a mass setting like that with people around also. It's like a sense of community and healing. 
Um, it, I as it as it makes me want to go like, what the fuck? There's also a part of me that knows how important morning rituals are for um, people after experiencing a death. And I'm just like, damn, maybe this was like, this type of shit was always the answer. And that's why we're so fucked culturally because we don't have shit like this anymore. Yeah. Um, so really upsetting that uh, the church had to come in and bastardize this practice that was clearly so healing to people. Yeah, I, upsetting. I, I agree with you on all of the above, because at the very least, I feel like Keening gives you permission to mourn, because you're probably not going to mourn to the extreme of hitting yourself and doing that. And when you have someone set the extreme, everything underneath it or not as severe as it is more acceptable, right? So yeah, yeah. maybe like this lady freaking out and screaming breaks down the barriers that kind of um, challenge toxic masculinity. Maybe it gives men more permission to cry or maybe it allows women, you know, to release the emotions that we would normally be labeled with uh, being like, oh, is it just that time of the month? You know what I mean? Obviously mm -hmm. in more ancient traditions, but I, I feel like there is importance to giving people permission to grieve and i think you're absolutely right we just don't have that permission now because it's yeah. almost like people get offended if you're sad for too long yes very much so very much so um and to your point about like i bet keening helps with challenging um like toxic masculinity absolutely because there's a lot of people who might have issues expressing their own um like feelings and emotions but they are empathetic people and when they see someone else cry they'll cry um yeah. so i just yeah i'm totally with you with that as well but hmm. that is a very interesting fact and also very heartbreaking to hear um how it very was sad. you know basically uh washed out of existence or at least yeah. bastardized to a um, palpable christian version which is yeah. always you know, lesser and not as great. Yeah, it, it still continued to be a thing until the early 20th century. But with that modernization of Ireland and the rise of Western funeral customs, the practice of keening just faded away. Mm. Um, there are still some parts of Ireland where keening is performed, um, specifically in more rural areas where traditional customs are maintained. Um, doesn't have the influence of them big city folk, you know? Yeah. Um, and also the practice of keening is recognized as an important part of Ireland's cultural heritage. And there are efforts to preserve it and make it a little bit more prevalent. Um, in recent years, there has been a renewed interest in keening among Irish Americans, particularly those who are interested in reconnecting with their ancestral heritage. And again, the Appalachian uh, folk magic is very ancestral magic. So um, all this stuff is kind of like tied in. And I'm I love that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to say a controversial statement. Crucify me. Good. I don't care. Um, this is the type of cultural, like getting back in touch with your ancestral heritage that I can appreciate. I would much rather have people be like, advocating for keening in at funerals rather than trying to justify why they have white dreads. Do you know what I'm saying? I just yeah. feel like this is a better use of um, getting in touch with and reconnecting with your ancestral heritage. Yeah. Um, do, this is the shit I appreciate. Yeah. I, I would hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Uh, you fucking just said it so good that I have nothing more to add. <laughs> Damn. That was a good take. That was a good fucking take. Like you want to get back to your ancestral roots. Why don't you do something that your ancestors did? Yeah. And we're not talking about the cavemen because that seems to be everybody's go-to. Like, cavemen had dreads. And I'm like, 
Fuck you. Yeah. Anyway. The cavemen also shit in their hands and clapped, so yeah. <laughs> don't be doing that either. Um, they weren't even technically human. Get out of my face. <laughs> so with this, you can kind of see where caning and the folklore of the Banshee kind of start to take place. And you can see why it's so importantly rooted um, in Irish folklore, especially because the Banshee was originally the goddess of war and death, known as the Morrigan. Yay, we're getting into it. Um so she was said to have the power to shapeshift into various forms, including that of a crow, and was known for her ability to predict the outcome of battles. It was believed that she would appear on the battlefield to either inspire or warn the warriors and would often take the form of a screaming banshee to frighten the enemy away. Now, again, as Christianity spread throughout Ireland, the Morrigan goddess was eventually transformed into the banshee of Irish folklore. While some scholars believe that the Banshee is a purely Celtic creation, others suggest that she may have been influenced by other cultures that the Celts encountered during their migrations. Um, one, another possibility of the Banshee, we're kind of going into her many origins of what she could be. Um, so another one is that she was inspired by the ancient Greek myth of the Furies, who were female spirits of vengeance who pursued those who had committed crimes against the gods. The Furies were often depicted as wild, screaming creatures, which, again, may have influenced the development of the Banshee's wailing cry. This also feels like one of those um, world cultural synchronicities. Yeah. Which is very fun, because those are always the ones that we want to say, like, how is it that all of these different cultures at the same exact time all thought of the same exact thing, and they were completely isolated? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. That's very fun. There's something too that's like really empowering about taking things about that people critique about women and then making them scary. So like, oh, women are emotional and they cry and they, you know, freak out and they lose their shit. But then you turn it into a fury or a fucking banshee and you're like, yeah, you're fucking right that I have like all of these emotions that men fear. And the same with like Medusa, right? Like you talk about the rape of Medusa and then she turns like the Gorgon thing where men can't even look upon her. They turn to stone. It's like women's fury weaponized. And I fucking love that. And it's cool because I don't often, I don't know if I never thought of this before, but that's exactly like the coolest thing about a Banshee is it's just women personified into fear. <sighs> yeah. You're, you're so on the fucking nose about that. I, I have, I have no notes for that comment other than, yes, that's why it's so fucking cool. Um, weakness turned to power. Um, and, and truly what brings fear to men, quote unquote. If you have a, a banshee predicting death or what was the, the girly above who predicts the, the out the No, the Morgan. Oh, the Morgan, uh, yeah. Predicting the outcome of war. Um, like that. And then a fury, you know, spiting men um, screaming mm -hmm. in their faces. It, it's that is like, those are the perfect, those are the perfect like yin and yang. I, yeah. I, I do love that. Cause it's um, like men may act like gods on earth, but it's our gods are all females and they will come for you. Oof. Yeah. 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 Cool. So God, love that. Before we jump into actual sightings of banshees in history, we should first kind of chew through the differences between cryptids and mythology. So cryptids are just animals we haven't discovered yet. On the flip side, mythological, mythological creatures usually come from long-held beliefs or cultural influences that shape their existence. So 
Surprisingly, there is some contention in the supernatural and paranormal fringe communities on how to define what a banshee specifically is. It's kind of the same thing with Bigfoot. Is he a cryptid or is he paranormal? (sighs) We'll never Um, know. (laughs) Similarly enough, in some cases, people legitimately beef online about unicorns being described as cryptids when they should instead be called mythological creatures. I mean, I can understand that beef because narwhals are real and narwhals exist and narwhals are the unicorns of whales. So Uh why wouldn't there be the unicorn of like the unicorn horse is just like that. The narwhal is to the whale. I get it. I get, I get the beef. I get it. And I say at the end of the day, it's how you define them in here. Yeah. In your heart. So for purposes of keeping it real, We are going to make the argument that the Banshee is an actual being that exists to this day and will continue to frame our language around this fact and will not be taking notes or suggestions to believe otherwise. (laughs) Uh, So regardless of our origins, the Banshee has remained a fixture in Irish folklore for centuries. And now we're going to dive into some sightings and encounters of her history now. So according to an article from Celtic Life International, quote, A banshee won't cry for just anyone. According to legend, each banshee mourns for members of one family. Some say it is the five oldest Irish families that have their own banshees. The O'Neills, O'Briens, O'Grady's, O'Connors, and Kavanaugh's. The (laughs) the Kavanaugh's. (laughs) The banshee is a solitary fairy creature who lives in the mortal family. She is connected to it with a fierce, unearthly care and will pace the hills in sorrow when she knows a death is looming. She will follow her family's members right across the world. Her caning can be heard wherever true Irish are settled, because just like them, she never forgets her blood ties. Unseen, she will attend their funerals, and her wails mingle with those of the mourners. That is so metal. To have your own fucking banshee? Oh my god. To have your own death fairy. That is metal. Who just comes to your funeral and cries. Or cries because she knows someone in the family is going to die. She screams for you. Wow. That's love. That is really cool. That is love. Yeah, that is is very fucking heavy metal. Mm -hmm. And it is with the O'Briens that we get one of our most famous stories of a banshee encounter. So again, the O'Briens were a powerful Irish family. And in the 16th century, they were hosting a party where they heard the sound of a woman wailing outside. And the next day, one of the guests at the parties was found dead. And it was believed that the Banshee had warned of his impeding death. Another story comes from the memoirs of an Irish lady known as Lady Fanshawe. Now, while there are multiple accounts of her experience, if you want to find it, we are going to read the account as written out from AnomalyInfo.com. So in 1694, Sir Richard Fanshawe and his wife, Anne, Lady Fanshawe, found themselves temporarily residing in Cork, Ireland, towards the end of the English Civil War, while awaiting commands from His Majesty in England. In October, however, Cork rose up against the king and those loyal to him, and the Fanshawes made a hasty retreat. As a result, they stayed at many friends' estates as they made their way to Spain on orders from His Majesty. One of the places they stayed for three days during this time was at the castle of Lady Honara O'Brien, where Lady Fanshawe had a very strange experience indeed. Around one o'clock in the morning of their first night in the castle, Lady Fanshawe was awakened by a voice at a window of her room. Arising, she drew the curtain open and discovered a woman leaning into the casement of the window from outside. 
She was lit by the moon and was wearing white, with red hair and a ghastly complexion. The woman called out loudly in a strange tone, A hone, a hone, a hone. And then with a sigh, more like wind than breath, the woman vanished, her body looking more like a thick cloud than substance. To put it mildly, Lady Fanshawe had been frightened and took much effort on her part to wake her dozing husband, who was surprised to find her in such a state when he finally came to. He was also startled by her account of what had happened, for he had heard that such apparitions were much more than usual in that country than in England. They were more surprised still when around eight that morning, Lady O'Brien told them that she had not slept that night because an O'Brien cousin of hers, whose ancestors had owned the home they were in, had asked her to stay with him in his chamber. This was presumably because he was ill, for he died at two o'clock that morning. Lady O'Brien also expressed her hopes that they had had a peaceful night, for she had given them the room they had because it was the best room in the house. But she had forgotten that the specter of a woman who had become pregnant by a former owner of the home had been murdered by said owner and now appeared in the window of the room when any in the family were dying. The Fanshaws made arrangements to leave as soon as possible. Why? No more people are going to die, probably. They could just enjoy their sleep. I don't know. Okay. Lords and ladies are a fancy folk. <laughs> okay. But like a fun. pregnant woman was here. Disgusting. That's not Irish. <laughs> I don't know if I can do Irish other than. <laughs> what? You need to Hold do an on. Irish accent? I don't even really remember what they, they sound like. Um, let's like see. Like flogging Molly. Um. Like sail away with no bowling chain, keep me from the roaring wave, get around the borders, but forever we'll be free. So sail away the runner and the moon is full and so are we. Seven drunken pirates with a seven. Oh, this is an advertisement. Um, that wasn't really Irish. That was just singing like da 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 da. The Flogging Molly, I think, is an Irish band. Is flogging? Yeah, they're an Irish band. You remember like the age-old question if it was like Flogging Molly versus Dropkick Murphys? It was like that one was better than the other. Here we go. I'm Madeline Harvey, and today I thought it would be wonderful to extend our vocal workings to include the music of an Irish accent. We're going to be exploring certain sounds, and then we're going to apply those sounds into practice sentences. That way you'll be speaking that beautiful brogue in no time. So if you like today's video, please be sure to give it a thumbs up or click the subscribe button below. I would love to see you here more often. Okay. Now it's important to note that whenever you're learning a new accent, it's oh very my God, helpful fast forward. to isolate sounds that are Well, I was going to tell her to not slowly. be offensive. Oh. Uh. My favorite place to start as a jump off. Oil. Now just jump in oh. with this on me. Say oil. 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 Now oil. add that sound to the word Ireland. 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 Do you feel that bending movement carry you into the sound? So the practice words with this vowel shift include Oi. Oi. Ireland. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have a sausage in your mouth. It's not everything. Oh my god. Ireland. There you go. Do you Can feel I, like you have it now? Yeah, when you say it, you gotta pop your shoulders up. Ireland. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> No! Oh. <laughs> you look like one of the gorillas trying to convince Ty to get a spray tan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking oh god. My god. Speaking okay. of Irish, Seamus from WWE, his skin looks like literal milk. That is a pale Irish man, and he has like brogue across his belt. Yeah, man, the sun don't shine. Yeah. 
months. Uh, so in more recent times, there have been reports of banshee sightings in the United States. In the 1940s, a woman named Evelyn Kennedy claimed to have seen a banshee in her backyard in New York. She said the banshee was wearing a long white dress and had long, dark hair. Kennedy's family did not believe her, but several weeks later, her brother-in-law passed away. That's what he gets for not believing. Mm -hmm. And another reported sighting occurred in 1960s in Ohio. A woman named Joanne Henderson claimed to have seen a banshee outside her home. She said that the banshee was dressed in a long white gown and had long, tangled hair. Henderson's Rude. mother. <laughs> She's got to brush it, baby. Uh, Henderson's mother passed away a few days later. Joanne Henderson's just like, and her hair was tangled and greasy, and it didn't look like she showered. <laughs> just like, just damn, girl, fucking it. chill. Okay. <laughs> like, that was really unnecessary. We all thought it was cool that you saw a banshee. You don't have to fucking drag her. Yeah, just say that her hair was wild like the winds. Mm, for which yeah. it blew. Um, there have also been reports of banshee encounters in Canada, because they won't let us have shit. Uh, in the 1970s, mm. a man named John McGrath claimed to have encountered a banshee while driving through a rural area in Ontario. He said that the banshee was sitting on a fence and staring at him with glowing red eyes. He swerved to avoid hitting the banshee, and when he looked back, it had disappeared. Uh, the banshee has also been cited by many famous historical figures. Brian Boru, the great Irish king who died in the Battle of Clontarf in 1014, is an example. According to legend, Brian heard the wailing of a banshee before his death, a sign that his time was near. The banshee's mournful cries were said to have been heard throughout the battlefield, warning of the impending doom. The legend of Brian Boru and the banshee is still remembered and retold in Ireland today. Another I thing like how this is clearly like from some like Irish history site because they're like everyone's fav favorite famous historical great <laughs> Irish king. You know him, your favorite guy, Brian, and everyone's like, at least us, we're like, who? Yeah, like Brian? <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. Brian, Brian was a name in the 10 hundreds. Great the Irish one king of 1014 was Brian. Just Brian, a guy. Yeah, just, just Brian. Just a guy. Just a guy. <laughs> um, oh my God, I saw this thing and it was like some of the oldest names in history, and one of them was like so fucking basic, and I bet it was probably fucking Brian. I was like, I that's one of the Brian, oldest names but... recorded in Earth's history. Well, isn't like... that like the same fucking shit with like the Bible? Like it took place in like the Middle East and like the disciples are like Kyle and shit. Yeah. Like just... what, what are their fucking names? Yeah. <laughs> Kyle and Chad, actually. <laughs> but they had any names that they the had were like changed, Christ, right? They just like made the names easier to say. Like Mac Matthew Mark looked yeah. good job. Yeah, they whitewashed him. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to say fucking Mohammed was hanging out with Jesus. They were like, Michael? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's friend, Michael? Michael? That reminds me of that lady who so. was like, what's his white name? Like when she used to come into uh, my old work. And we're like, we don't know who you're talking about. God, he, that is. He's like, what's his English name? I'm like, his name is the same in English. Who are you talking about? And it was like a pissing contest because I knew who she was talking about, but I was going to make her say his name properly. Damn, and that was a lady that where, bitch, actually. Remember? And then Ichabod let me borrow his communist shirt because I just wanted to offend her. And she came in the next day and I was just like, ah, ah. Speaking of which, check out this shirt. I'm only talking to Jesus today. That's an interesting shirt to wear. You got it at Walmart. 
I like to wear it to be. Sassy. I could tell. Sometimes when I have parties, I I, when I have parties, people come over and I'm like, or when I go to a party. You don't go to parties. You're right. Uh, you don't have to call me out like that, Noel, because we are recording <laughs> and I'm not going to edit this out because I hate editing stuff out because it's so hard to find. Uh, so thanks for that. Um, You're welcome. So another famous Brian. <laughs> yeah, Brian. So another famous figure to have encountered the Banshee. I missed some. Was Ku Kulain? Oh my God! Will you pull up the pronunciation of that Ku Kulain? See, this is a guy I believe. This is yeah, a guy I, believe I know because there's hyphens and there's letters. Brian. I think I found it. Did you? I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna be able to hear my, my sound. My oh, keyboard's great. asleep. You know how like um, your targeted ads expose you sometimes. Mine's just everyday mm-hmm. bras for perfect. A cups. <laughs> um, also, I see, I see that the it says like was Hulk inspired by this guy, this name that they're talking Ukulele. about that we can't pronounce. I'm yeah. playing it on the computer, but I don't think you can hear my sound. I can't hear it. Hold on. Okay, I'm listening. Yeah, cuckoo lane. It's just cuckoo lane. Cuckoo lane. Cuckoo lane. Cuckoo lane. The, are you, I bet you're watching the same video I am, and he says and it like, cuckoo lane. It's like a little old man talking. Cuckoo lane. And then that next The one, legendary the next warrior. One. You see what I'm saying? Um, right? Oh, that one's tough. So we have cuckoo it's, lane, obviously oh my God, it has an English famous pro- warrior. Oh my god, it has an English translation. You know what? what? I love you Gaelic, but I'm going to just copy paste the English pronunciation over Watch the time. Be like- Kuling, the battle raid of Kuli. Oh. <laughs> Another famous figure said to have encountered the Banshee was Cúculain, the legendary Irish warrior who fought against the armies of Queen Meb, Meb, Meb. <laughs> in the cattle raid of Cooley. <laughs> According to the tale, Kukulain heard the Banshee's mournful cry shortly before his death in battle. The sound of her wailing filled the air, a chilling reminder of the dangers of the battlefield. And in more recent times, there have been even more reports of Banshees in America, which we talked about already. I think my notes got out of order. Uh, another report came from a woman in Chicago who claimed to have heard the wailing of the Banshee outside of her window at night before her father's death. So, Noel, since neither of us have likely descended from one of the five important Irish families, it is likely no. that we will never be in danger should we hear the cry of a banshee. Regardless, Ireland Travel Guides, Ireland Tribal Guides.com. Ireland. Ireland. Does I'm advise. From Ireland. <laughs> does. Googling. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, does advise tourists on what they can do if they hear a banshee cry during their visit. And not much. <laughs> Quote, they say, if you see a banshee, pray for your family's safety. She's a harbinger of death, so one of your family family members would be joining her soon. However, a banshee doesn't actually cause death. She merely serves as a warning for it. I feel like praying, <clears throat> praying to, I'm assuming, Christian God, when the banshee is a byproduct of mythology, essentially, Mm-hmm. Feels a little counterproductive. Maybe pray to the gods and be like, please don't. And maybe that'll work out better. 
Maybe someone will hear you. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe in the hierarchy of things to pray to. God transcends the banshee. This is a very Christian nation. That was yeah, that was very I'm only talking to Jesus today of you. Yeah. It is. I'm not trying to be shitty, but I just think that that's their the reasoning for it is you just pray. Also, I wonder if I wonder what origin of the banshee is more culturally accepted because obviously it's probably going to be the um the Tuatha de Dinan would probably be the more cultural acceptance, but then the fact that you consider that the mm-hmm. Catholic Church also kind of bastardized the idea of keening women and made it like you weren't allowed to pay them with alcohol anymore. Um, it seems like a juxtaposition of ritual versus yeah. like belief. You know what I mean? Where they're two similar sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Yeah, that's one's just do. lame and the other one's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that was interesting and also a little disheartening, honestly. I hate, to, I hate to see culture get whitewashed by religion. It's very upsetting. Yeah, it is. Um, it's like the same thing now, like missionary work is the enemy of culture or whatever, you know? It's like you yeah. just are wiping out, like I don't, going to a place and helping them have access to like food and water and educational systems is like a little different. That's like a different sort of missionary work, but trying to like mm-hmm. convert people, I feel like it's just like not a hundred percent ethical when it comes to culture. Yeah. It's not ethical at all. Um, so knock it the fuck off. Okay. I know, I know we have a big fan base of missionaries and I need them to listen up and know that they need to knock it the fuck off. It's just, you got to find a way to, um, preach your truths in a way that doesn't erase people's identities. Um, you know, like for people it, who do want to talk about their religion, go build a school for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then get the fuck out. No, I agree. I also feel like all religions should just practice conversion in the same way that judaism does and in the same way i mean they don't at all and that's why i love and respect judaism because they honestly don't want you they're not out converting they're not out on missions and if you try to join it's really fucking hard and i think that's the way it should be so um take a note out of their book um also my favorite my favorite example my favorite saying i don't know what you'd call it is um religion is like a penis do not whip it out and show everyone unless they ask to see it um and that is my that is my soapbox of the day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's um speaking of like judaism not converting it's kind of like with costco and their samples they're not bringing the samples to you baby you're walking your happy ass in there every saturday to get those Let that's come so to you. true yeah, and you got to be a member and you got to pay. So yeah. if yep. people know they're not out there making people talk about Costco. There's not Costco missionaries being like at a Sam's Club, at a Sam's Club, like, you know, across the street, we've got Costco. Everyone just knows word of mouth because it's that good. So yep. maybe just focus on your religion being good and people will show up. Um, speaking of people showing up, you can show up for us. Um, by giving us a dollar every month, that's it. A dollar gets you in and it gets you into our Patreon. We put out new episodes every week and you can find the link to that 
in the link tree in all of our bios. I'm at Noelle Fain. That is at Sithlard. We are at Go to Help Podcast. In that link tree, you can also find a link to Kelly Holloran or at Wildwood Owls Etsy. She is an amazing artist and friend, and she makes cool shit for us, and she makes cool shit for you, and she makes cool shit for the state of Michigan. So go check her stuff out. We also have a link to our Discord server, our Facebook group, our merch, which is super fucking cool, and I don't know why you'd need it, but also links to listen to us. Go to Hell Podcast is also proud to support Junction City Roller Derby, who have a game on April 15th. It is a doubleheader. Doors open at 5. First whistle is at 6 p.m. It's at Golden Spike Exhibit Hall. Um, you can find more information on Junction City Roller Derby's social media. Uh, Yay! Bleh, I feel like a sellout. But we are a sponsor, I mean, so we have to. Why won't we talk about it? Yeah, great job. Thanks. Great job. Um, okay, let's, you know what? <clears throat> I would like to say, first of all, hail Satan, of course, but I would also like to give a hail to all of the super cool cultures that have been um, washed away because of shitty, dumb religions. Um, so hail to all of you. And hail, actually, biggest hail, biggest hail to people who are reconnecting with their ancestry by doing cool shit like researching banshees and learning about what is it needed what is it called the whaling keening keening i said yeah and and are learning about and practicing keening um doing that is so much cooler than trying to excuse why you have dreadlocks so i appreciate that and i love that so hail that a lot um, I'm going to say hail the women in folklore who made men fear and cower and piss their pants like a bunch of fucking cowards. That I will also give that a hail as well. That's truly the coolest fucking shit. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Okay, let's get the fuck out of here. Bye. Bye.